With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That's created some challenges for us um, as an organization, scouting department, coaching staff. We've had to be more mobile. Uh, We've had to work harder to gather information. Working along with Kevin and the scouting department has been a pleasure in that regard. Uh, The number of Zoom calls and things that we've we've had with with prospects is, uh, when you look back at it, um, is really impressive, but we, 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 we formulated a plan to kind of circumvent the challenges of the pandemic early, and I think that aided us in terms of being able to sit here comfortably today. Uh, we started the process um, immediately once we realized some of the challenges, and, and so it gave us latitude to adjust and to really take our time and get to know the guys as best we could in a remote manner. Um, we hit we hit select pro days as we always do, but it just felt um, it felt a little different this year. It felt like it was more riding on those days uh, because of the lack of exposure that we didn't have in Indy. And so we got a lot lot done on the road and remotely at, at pro days and dealing with players via Zoom. Um, as Kevin mentioned, I too am a, am appreciative of our players um, displaying their want to be here. Uh, free agency was challenging for us. Free agency is probably challenging for everybody in this environment with the cap being what it was and our players um, displaying their desire to be here, taking less, if you will, to be here. The guys that, that Kevin mentioned, man, it, it really makes you excited about this group, uh, about the makeup of this group, about the intentions of this group. And um, so we're excited about building. We, we did what we needed to do in terms of free agency. Um, we're preparing ourselves for, for the upcoming draft, and, and those are the two major components in terms of acquiring talent. Um, we've started the process in terms of developing our talent. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised by the participation uh, in the off-season program, given the circumstances that have been well documented. I just uh, left the facility, and we've got a nice number of guys over there working and working uh, safely and appropriately, and uh, I'm appreciative of that. Um, I understand the climate that we're in, but more than anything, man, we want to provide a, 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 an environment that's safe and, and has expertise, particularly that the young developing or the financially strapped player uh, that, that, that can be on your roster this time of year needs. And, and so we're excited about some of those developments. But really, as we lean in on this draft, man, we're just at kind of the the beginning stages of, of our offseason in terms of the development of this group and starting to formulate plans. It's been an exciting process with the coaching staff, um, working on some schematics and exploring wrinkles in all three phases and, and making some hardcore decisions about how we're going to go about our, our business given the players that we have and the ones that we intend to, to add. Um, and so excited about where all those things are. Um, last week we met. Uh, via Zoom with, with our players, uh, but just hitting on large, broad, sweeping things, some foundational things in terms of culture building. Uh, this week we'll continue with, with, with remote meetings, but we're probably going to get um, into some more detailed schematics and start laying a foundation and, 
introducing particularly some of the new guys in terms of some of the things that we do. Obviously, the guys that have been here have an understanding of largely how we operate in the three phases. And so that's a snapshot of where we are. Um, again, I just wanted to repeat that we're excited about being here with you guys today and, and moving upward and onward here in 21. Hey, nice to see you guys, not on face-to-face, -face, not on Zoom. Will Graves with the AP. Mike, I'm just curious, the extension, you have some guys that you've been with for a long time. When that extension ends, you might, they might not be around anymore. What gave you the confidence that things are going to continue on that positive trajectory after some of the guys that you've been close with for so long might not be here anymore? You know, um, in regards to my extension, you guys that know me know I don't ponder a lot about longevity and things of that nature, man. I'm just appreciative of the opportunity to work that's in front of me today and that's largely been my my attitude regarding it for 15 years now and uh, I assure you that will remain unchanged in terms of some of the people uh, who come and go um, that's part of the coaching profession in the business of football I'm excited about the, the collection of men the, the coaching talent the vocational talent that we have and our ability to kind of formulate uh, our schematics and our plan as it pertains to these guys that we're working with and we're excited about doing it. Hey guys, I echo what Will said. Good to see you. Um, you have talked about improving the running game for a couple of years. What is there from an immediate needs standpoint in this draft, maybe not just at running back but other positions that could help you guys? Well, I, you know, when you look at a running game, obviously you got to start up front, and then you got to look at at the runners themselves, and then you, you're never going to leave any part of the offense out, the quarterbacks, the receivers, because it's all a collective effort. And you know we have some challenges up front because we don't have um, the same offensive line that we had last year. Uh, so there will be differences, and that that'll be up to coach how we shift people around. As I said, we could play a game today based on what we have but is that going to be our line who knows what we'll end up doing with the those positions be it center guard or tackle and of course the running back position I mean, we, we have really we have four veteran guys on this roster could we add to it sure um, how that all breaks down no one will know and until we get in and and play a game no one will know if it's better but as of right now we know we know where we can look at help and see what helps available but again we could go into this thing and we are going into it completely wide open and 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 i'll add to that and and let's be clear um the improvements in the running game go beyond just the acquisition of additional players uh we're capable of performing better than we have um players aside um schematics formations the things that we do to give ourselves an a, a a strategic advantage need to be improved and that's some of the things that we're working on. Mike, in the regular season last year, if you didn't have Hayden or Nelson, Lane was the sub package guy. In the playoffs it was Pierre. Uh, why the change and what's your 
What's with both of those guys? How do they stand if you had to play yeah. them? I don't know if the, if the breaking point was that clear. Regular season lane, playoffs, uh, Pierre. Um, we, we follow the growth and development of young players on the practice field over the course of the season. And uh, as the season wore on, uh, we just got more comfortable with what we were seeing from Pierre. Now, is it, a, you know, is it a rise in his level of play? Is it a decline in Lane's level of play? Um, you know, I, I really can't speak to that. I just, there was a feeling that, that, that he was moving in the right direction, and that's why we made the decisions that we made. Um, in, in terms of what that means for 2021, we will see. Um, how 2020 ended does not define how 2021 is going to work out or even begin for that matter. Uh, they're both capable young players. We're, we got other capable young players. We, we intend to, to potentially add to that, and so uh, we'll see where the roads lead us. Good morning, fellas. I was curious, um, it, are, the way things are in today's league, are running backs a risky value, do you feel, in the first round? And as a two-part question, is there, are, are there enough centers in this draft, at least decent centers who could come in and play, available beyond the first round? Yeah, first, um, I, I don't think you can ever underestimate the value of a quality player at any position, and running back's no different. I understand that the game has changed. It's a more horizontal game than it is a vertical game, and people don't play traditional football as, as really Coach and I grew up with, with two-back sets and power games and so on and so forth. It has changed, but if you have a dynamic player at any position, that player should make a difference. Uh, and running back's no different. I think if you look at the, the Hall of Fame runners, most of those guys were taken in high rounds. So I, I don't ever place that uh, value um, high or low on a given position. I base it on who the player is and what that player can do to help us. The center position, it, it is unusually deep this year. Usually the centers, there aren't a lot of centers in a, in a given draft. But we feel good. There's there's quality centers in this draft that we think are starter capable, and it's unusual for that position. Uh, Kevin, in the uh, over the summer last year, you told us that you would maybe weigh the opt-outs a little differently than you did the guys who actually played football last year. Has your thinking on that changed at all? throughout this process, or is that still the case? No, no question. I mean, as I stated in the summer, if a player chooses to opt out for whatever reason, um, that's their decision, and we will, we will respect it. However, if a player played in 2020, and those players are of equal value, one that didn't play and one that played, we'll take the one that played, because we don't know what the opt-outs will be like in their first season back in football. I, we believe it's hard to sit this game out. Sometimes it happens because of injury, um, but this time it was, you know, it was pandemic related for the most part. Um, but we will take the players, again, if they're close, and it's not to say we're not going to draft somebody that opted out. Um, I couldn't say that, but if I have a choice and we have a choice, we'll take the one that played if their value is close. Part of the problem, you know, the two conferences that got hurt the worst were the Big Ten and the Pac-12 because their seasons were canceled, basically. 
and then some of their players decided they were going to move on and, and they would um, put themselves in preparation for the draft. And then when, there's, when their conferences reinstated football, uh, some of them were too far down the road, be it with an agent or being with training, that they couldn't get back. So we, we did run into that a lot where players wanted to come back, but they were too far down the road. So each case will be weighed individually, but again, if they're close, we're going to take the player to play. Hey, Kevin, uh, you mentioned about potentially not wanting to trade up. Uh, I've got a couple questions about trading back. Are you interested, number one? Does it make it more difficult to trade back because the seven picks, I believe three of them are now within the division behind you? And is there any organizational philosophy of wanting to stay in the first round if you do trade back? Again, we're always going to, we're always going to um, value quality over quantity. Um, but if we're not comfortable with what we're looking at at the 24th pick, we'll trade back. Um, do we want to do it with a with a conference or a, a division team? That wouldn't be our preference, but we won't we won't discount that completely um, because we have to weigh what the possible potential trade back will do for us and not worry about where those picks may go. So uh, it wouldn't be our preference, but it won't disqualify us from trading back with a division team. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I mean, again, what are we getting? How many picks? Um, we got to look at what we're walking away from. And, you know, I never like to walk away from a pick without having, say, if we're trading back five spots, I want five players that we would be comfortable in taking so we can't lose. Uh, that's the way we've always approached that. Uh, we never would trade up unless the player we want is available, and we know on that pick that he is available. Um, but trading back, I want to I want to make sure that we can't lose if we do it. With um, you know uh, Steve Nelson not coming back, and you know even the Justin Lane arrest, losing Hilton, his cornerback moved up your board a little more. And, and what is the uh, value and depth of this position this year? The corners are deep. It's a, uh, again, we talk about this every year, and every year it seems to be um, continuing the, the trend in college football, again, becoming more horizontal. Uh, there's more corners. Uh, we always say we have 12 starters on defense and 12 starters on offense because of a slot receiver or a slot corner. And that, that goes all the way back to the college game. So there's, there's a lot of depth at the wide receiver and the cornerback position. Um, as Coach mentioned, James Pierre came on and did a nice job for us last year. You know, Justin Lane had done some good things on the field. They're both young, ascending players. Um, can we add to that spot? Absolutely. Um, you know, again, what we talked about in Steve Nelson's case, you know, Steve was a over. We had to make some tough salary cap related decisions that I mentioned earlier. Um, Steve, Steve Nelson is a starter-capable NFL corner. We just couldn't keep him under, you know, the current setup that we had or the current setup that we're dealing with from a salary cap standpoint. We had to make some tough choices. Hey, 
You guys talked a lot about uh, the pro days and getting out on the road and not having a combine. Uh, do you feel like in this circumstance, the relationships that you have with college coaches and those staffs are going to be more important having not had that sort of uh, apples to apples comparison, being able to talk to guys and, and getting feedback from coaches and not just what you see in that one snapshot of a pro day? It goes beyond the pro days because we as, as scouts couldn't get to the colleges except for a game setting and even at the game settings we couldn't go on the field in the pregame we had to sit in the stands or the press box if it was allowable so a lot of times in those situations when you're doing games you'll hey you'll see a coach or sitting on a bench before a game you may have a conversation um, none of that was available to us we couldn't visit the schools and have the day-to-day -day interaction that our scouts uh, have when we do a school visit and spend a day watching film talking to folks. We didn't have that this year. Um, but that's not to say it, it wasn't, it was totally negative. As Coach mentioned, Coach and myself, we got to nine pro days. We think we got to the, what we feel had, had the most quality players so, so that we could both see them up live and in person. Uh, our interaction with them was limited though. We could not take them out to dinner the night before. We couldn't say hi to their parents. We couldn't have a meeting with them uh, during that pro day setting. So we had to do all of that via Zoom. Coach and I did over 100 Zoom calls. And um, quite honestly, we're comfortable with the results because we actually got to spend a little more time with them. And we feel good about that information. But just like we mentioned, just seeing you folks in person, it's different. And you know, you can read my eyes, you can read coach's eyes when I'm, when I'm answering a question. It's not the same when you're doing it via Zoom. Uh, it is what it is. We think we're in good shape. I feel comfortable with the information we got. It's all we can do at this point. We'll try to make the best decisions possible. And from a, I'll add to that, and from a coach's perspective, <clears throat> uh, no question the environment um, pushed us toward leaning on some coaching relationships and the gathering of information among our peers at the college level that we've known in the past, but um, by no means do I feel like that's an advantage. I think that, you know, that was a global tool used by all of us within the coaching ranks, and I think uh, everybody understanding the circumstances being what they were, were more open to that. Um, and so I think it was more of a global thing, and I appreciate um, our, our coaching peers at the collegiate ranks for, for sharing and providing necessary information for all of us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, nice to see you. Um, I, I want to know, with a couple days left, how much do you change your draft board? Is it set right now? And do you have any idea what the, how, how good of an idea do you have what the teams in front of you are going to do in the first round? Um, you know, we finished... Our, our formal meetings on Saturday, um, and then you know, today, tomorrow, Wednesday, we'll look. I mean, really, tomorrow and Tuesday, or today and tomorrow, we'll go through it and maybe brush up some things. Just look at what we concluded, 
after our meetings and maybe make some minor adjustments just to make sure uh, that we got things in what we believe the best order possible. Um, we don't care. Uh, we've, we've never worried about what the folks in front of us will do. Uh, as we've told you guys, um, we, don't, we used to do the mock drafts and it was a complete waste of time. Uh, what we've done now is we, and we've done this for what, the last 12 years yeah. or so? We just mock ourselves, can. and we're gonna we're picking first, and we're gonna pick a player. Okay, he's gone. We're picking second. Okay, he's gone. We're picking third. And when we're done with this process, and it'll take you know the good part of the day on Wednesday. When we're done with that, we'll have 24 guys in an order that we would take them, and it's not necessarily the order you have on your board. So the order of the picks is set, and you just wait and watch. And as I said, the only decision you have to make is whether you're gonna trade up or trade back. It doesn't matter what happens in front of you because you've already made that decision. Hey guys, um, with uh, how surprised were you that you were able to get Vince Williams back? Did you think originally that that was going to happen? And with losing Bud, how comfortable are you with your linebacker death? And Kevin, I can't remember, you went through the positions of strength in this draft so much what kind of a draft is it for linebackers both inside and out yeah just to answer that guy the inside and outside depth is very good uh, you know the outside depth you know when we're looking at outside linebackers we're looking at most of the time college defensive ends because most teams are four three and we have to convert them up but that's a deep deep group uh, the inside backers is a deeper group than it has been much like the centers um, we looked and we just said, wow, this is a pretty good group. Uh, the, the one that's not is that defensive line. It's very lean. Um, but in Vince's case, and I'll let Coach speak to that, Vince, you know, Vince wanted to end his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers for however long he has left. Um, again, we had to make tough decisions. And that, that was extremely tough because Vince has been a starting player on and helped us win a lot of games, and he's a big part of the fabric of our team and we value that tremendously and for him to want to come back it's very important and very much appreciated by us I'll let coach address that as well yeah Vince Williams is a Pittsburgh Steeler um, Vince Williams bleeds black and gold and really his decision to come back is really just an example or an opportunity for him to display that um, I, I can't say that I'm surprised by that knowing what I've known about Vince and his level of commitment, um, not only to the game of football, but to us and uh, how we go about our business. Um, you know, in regards to the loss of Bud and, and the expectations and the depth and things at that position, uh, the linchpin in that entire discussion is the natural maturation of Alex Highsmith from year one to year two. Uh, you know the, the standard of expectations that we have for our young players moving from one to two. Um, he could be the poster boy for that. We, we need a significant rise in terms of uh, all areas of play from him, but I also think it's reasonable to expect it, uh, given what he's been exposed to, given the quality uh, young man that he is and, and, and his work ethic and the environment that we intend to put him in. Uh, I think it's reasonable to expect him to rise up and meet the challenges that you mentioned. Hi, Mike and Kevin. Good to see you in person. It's nice not to have to unmute. Um, I have a question about the excitement about the draft. I know that, generally speaking, you 
too, don't get caught up in the excitement, but you also don't live in a vacuum. And, and maybe it's the pandemic, maybe it's your team's needs, maybe it's the players that are available in the draft, but there seems to be a buzz around this year's draft uh, that perhaps is a little greater than past drafts. Can you sense that? And uh, does, does that kind of build your excitement as well for what's ahead? I'll let Kevin speak to that. I I probably could be described as a as someone who lives in a vacuum, but but by choice. Yeah, and on, honestly, Albie, really, um, I don't watch any draft shows. I really don't read any that information because I, I'm I hope that we have more information than's being portrayed on the outside. And honestly, most times. Um, they're talking about 20 players and the same 20 in different orders and so on and so forth. So what goes on outside, I, I really can't address because I don't get caught up in it because as Coach mentioned, we're so busy trying to make sure that we get our business handled. Uh, I, I can't really get caught up in the outside persona. And, and you know, if, it, if it's exciting for our fans, great. I mean, we hope to create that excitement. And like Coach mentioned, this is the, the real start of the offseason, both with our players that are currently here and the, and the new players that we add. So if there's excitement, great. Um, our job is to build on that excitement and to make it a, a productive process. If I could just quickly follow up. If, if, you, if there are needs that you have and there are players that are exciting that can address those needs, does that make it more interesting for you then? Uh, again, I, 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 we can get excited about a player, but you don't know if that player will be there. Um, so I'm excited about the depth of this draft because I think we, we can get eight players for sure that I know can make us a better team. Uh, they're there. We just have to pick the right ones. Thanks, guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coach, first, congratulations to you and Kevin for your continued uh, tenure here in the city with the team. But you had some highly publicized failures on fourth and short last year, so being part of schematics and also maybe personnel, would you draft or think about drafting offensive linemen that may be more geared toward run blocking as opposed to pass blocking and vice versa? You know, like, like I mentioned, uh, the personnel um, the players themselves are just a component of our successes and failures, particularly in the situations that you mentioned. So we're looking at players, but we're also looking at what it is that we do and how we do it and how we set up ourselves for those instances. So it's not just a personnel discussion for us um, and, and definitely not weighted in the ways that you mentioned. Most of the time, the good players are good players because they're good players in, in all areas. They're, the, the elite ones, they're, they're good in run situations, they're good in passing situations and, and things of that nature. I think, um, and, and we're not there yet. Um, being in late April, we're not uh, into the minutia of what our short yardage or goal line personality is going to be, uh, per se. Uh, but rest assured that personnel is just a component of it. Morning. Morning, morning. Hey, Ed, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. All right. At what point would you consider drafting a quarterback? And if so, why would you draft a quarterback? I, again, wide open to all of it. If you look at our current depth, obviously we have four NFL uh, veteran quarterbacks on our roster, which I feel great about. 
Um, we also have really three of those four that are in the last year of their so-called deals when you look at it realistically. Um, so it's an unusual group in that we do have four. Can you add a young one? Absolutely. We always have to be on the look for that next guy um, and value or try to try to predict the value of taking that player at that position because most likely a young quarterback for the won't play for the Pittsburgh Steelers um, in 2021. Uh, again, we got four veteran guys that we're going to try to sort through. Um, could you add someone that could be more guaranteed to be here for the future? Absolutely. And that's our job to try to value value that. Um, and it goes all the way back to Ben. I mean, Ben wasn't a sure pick when we were sitting there at 11 because we had more pressing issues than a quarterback because Tommy Maddox had done some good things for us. And, um, you know, it wasn't like we couldn't have started a season with Tommy. When Ben was there for us, it would have been a huge mistake not to take him. So we'll always be open to adding what we believe is the most critical position. But again, uh, we feel good about having four vets to work with at this point. And it's exciting from a coaching perspective with one of those guys being a 22-year-old guy like Dwayne Haskins, who was viewed globally as having first-round talent just a short time ago. And, uh, we're excited about, you know, working with him and, and seeing what his skill set and hoping him improve um, is as well. Guys, thanks for doing this and thanks for all of your cooperation through the pandemic. Uh, I want to ask you about the inside linebacker position. You mentioned that it's, it's deep in this draft. At the same time, we've seen the position change a lot over the years. More Devin Bush, less Vince Williams, if you will. Uh, how much does that influence how you look at this class, and what do you consider to be your needs or your wants in that regard? You know, in terms of the, the physical makeup of the linebacker mm -hmm. position, you know, um, I, I think it's been widespread in college ball uh, prior to, you know, evolving and becoming more widespread in our game. And so uh, I believe it's probably less of an issue now, to be quite honest with you. I think it was a significant discussion when we drafted Ryan Shazier, where we right. drafted him years ago, and he was kind of an outlier or a precursor to what is a common discussion now, a guy that's capable of running with anyone and covering and playing in all circumstances. I think that's more the norm now uh, than it was then. So I think there's less significant discussions about the makeup or the look of them, and that's just what they look like. Um, in terms of the draft pool, I think there's a lot of guys, and guys that we're excited about and I'll let Kevin kind of speak to that if he wants to. Yeah, no, I agree with what Coach said. The game has changed. As I mentioned, it's more horizontal and, and Ryan was ahead of the curve um, when we took him. Um, so you, you got to keep pace with what's going on and what we have to defend in this league. But it's not, in, it's not different from what's going on at the college level. So a lot of those guys um, you know, it used to be in the old days, you know, who could take on that fullback? Well, there's no fullbacks for the most part. Who could take on a guard? Well, most of the time um, they, they're running past the guard instead of taking them on. So we value that. But they also have to have a, a certain amount of innate intellect, a football intellect, if you will, because inside linebackers, uh, there's not a lot of time to make decisions. They have to react. 
And so the instinctive part of being able to play that position, we think is a natural act. There, there's things they can be taught. And, um, you know, the lateral ability of those players is very important. The ability to, got not get, to be able to cover and not get caught in situations where they can't cover, um, just physically, that's important. Uh, and what we reminded ourselves really, and we'll continue to remind ourselves, is we will have Devin Bush back this year. And that person that's going to be paired with him will have the advantage of having him there because he's still, he's a significant player that was taking real positive steps prior to his injury. So we're excited about that as well. Um, good morning. Um, draft night or the, the three days of the draft, how exclusive is the decision making from the process to you two or Mr. Rooney? And, if you guys go outside that exclusivity in terms of maybe bringing in a coordinator or anyone else to get a little bit more, I guess, advice on a guy that you might take. Mr. Rooney's the boss. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the final decision, though? I mean, between you guys, I mean, I guess how does that process work? When this, just say, player A comes up on the board Thursday night, you guys are going to select. How's that process? Seriously, Kevin and I have worked so well and so long together that we can kind of communicate non-verbally <laughs> in those in those moments but at the end of the day uh art rooney's the boss that's it yeah and uh, no and, and to coach's point i mean we 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 always say this whenever we make a pick it's a pittsburgh steelers pick we just finished three weeks of intense meetings where scouts assistant coaches coordinators head coaches gms we all had our chance to have our input but when we put a grade on the player, it's not coach's grade, it's not my grade, it's our grade. When we select that player, it will be done as what's best for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And of course, Art will be involved because you know he is the owner and he knows every step of the process. He sits in on meetings when he can. Um, he gives us input when he can and when he wants to. And of course, we're going to follow those leads, but I think he trusts us as well to present the information uh, that, again, we've spent, you know, not only the last 11 months, but these last three weeks of really trying to tie it all together and, and formulate an evaluation and formulate a pick that's for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Thank you. Uh, Mike, recognizing your right to change your mind in a week. Who today is your left tackle and right cornerback? <laughs> um, you know, depth charts this time of year are funny. Um, they don't mean anything. They're not worth the paper they're written on. Uh, Chooks will be the guy that's probably penciled in in late April at left tackle, and Cam Sutton will get first opportunity at right corner, but it means absolutely nothing. Thank you. And quote me on that. Uh, Mike and Kevin, you both referenced, Mike, I think you used the phrase global challenges that have gone on during this whole draft process. Uh, Kevin, is one of those challenges the gathering of medical information on the prospective draft candidates? And how have you gone about circumventing those problems? And uh, Mike, do you get at all more scared off potentially from a guy because it's not as easy to get the medical information perhaps? Tim hasn't lost his art of asking three questions at yeah, once. It's, it's, so it's like only very two. smooth, very smooth. 
Now, hey, and, and I'm glad you did ask about the medical process. As I mentioned, John Norwig and his staff did a, a great job in doing this, but I forgot to mention Jeff Foster, who, who's the executive director of the National Invitational Combine. Um, it was a tremendous amount of work. Uh, we, first off, we didn't know if we would have the Combine in the format that it was presented this year. We wanted more. We weren't able to do it again, trying to follow the protocols and make it a safe adventure. So we did basically remote physicals uh, for the entire 328 players. Beyond that, we were able to bring 100 to Indianapolis based on um, our, our, con our ratings based upon how we all voted for those players as, as 32 teams. And then we went beyond that even further and we brought in 42 additional players to the combine um, that we felt were the next group that had some medical issues that needed to be looked at. So we only got our hands on really roughly 142, I think they may have gotten to 150, where our doctors, again, a smaller group of doctors were able to actually give them physicals. The remainder of it, it's all remote. Uh, and it was done in different parts of the country. So uh, we have our fingers crossed that we will have as good of information as we can, but it was a huge process for Jeff Foster and his folks at the National Invitation uh, Combine to, to formulate. Again, our doctors, our trainers had to work within all those different, um, all those different um, restrictions and do the best we can. So our fingers are crossed that we will have the proper medical information. Mike, do you feel any less confident in the process you know much much like in the coaching ranks and we had to use our relationships to gather information and 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 have a certain level of trust in those relationships it's the same from a medical standpoint you know our training staff and medical professionals have relationships around the country and had to lean on those relationships like i'm sure medical professionals and other organizations did and and we trust them we trust them we trust their expertise we trust their relationships and the people that they trust and i think you know, that's one of the things that the circumstances uh, force you to do is um, rely on the expertise and the, and the connections and the relationship uh, of those around you. And so um, it's just a component of dealing with uh, what we've continued to deal with uh, throughout this. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you guys.